is about to get personal. 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 Just got personal. Gary and I just got personal. It's personal. My name is Derek Bourne. My name is Cornelius Minor. My name is Val Brown. This is Nick Stone. Hi, I'm Donalyn Miller. Well, hi everybody. I am Danielle Alana. So I am so thrilled about today's podcast and being a guest here. Thank you so much for asking me to do this. And I'm really excited. Um, so just tell the people just a little bit about maybe who you are, um, what you're currently teaching or what your role is in education right now. Um, as far as what I'm teaching, I live in South Georgia, live and teach in South Georgia, really um, small town area. I teach fourth grade, fourth grade to about 52 students. So I teach um, ELA and social studies and they definitely keep me on my toes. I'm telling you with the things they say, the things they do, like, but I love them so much. Like I love them so much. I love being able to just build those strong relationships with my students because I feel like if you don't have a relationship with them, there's no way to possibly reach them. I agree. So I think that is definitely a big part of what I do in the classroom each and every day. Sheesh. That was personal. to become better readers and better writers. Like this year, I set some goals for myself. Like I wanted to encourage them to be strong readers. I, but before that, I wanted to build strong relationships with them. And the last thing I wanted to work on was rigor, which we're still getting to the rigor, but they're reading. So I am excited about that. <laughs> That's awesome. And have you, have you always been at the same school? Um, no, I haven't. I've been teaching a total now of six years. So I started out, I really taught all over the state of Georgia. I started out teaching um, Henry County, which is like the suburbs of Atlanta, 30 minutes away from Atlanta. Um, my first year of teaching was absolutely a train wreck, absolutely horrible. So after that, I changed schools and I went right back to the same area that I graduated from college, which is South Georgia, close to North Florida. I'm like really 18 miles from Florida. So I was teaching in a very rural school for like three years. I taught fourth grade and also taught first grade for one year. And then after three years, that school just wasn't a good fit anymore. So it's time to move on. Mm -hmm. And I'm at my current school now. I've been there for two years. It's more of an urban setting. Um, very different from the previous school mm -hmm. where I was at. How many years? How many years is that now? How many years teaching? Six. Years. Six. Okay, yeah. So we're like r roughly the same. I'm on my seventh, and my wife okay. is on her seventh as well. Yeah, and I awesome. totally get it. Like that first year, you you have no idea what's going on. <laughs> yes, and that's why I'm always trying to support first year teachers because it is so hard. It's so hard. Like, it's so hard. Like just the amount of things you go through emotionally, mm -hmm. then the amount of stuff that you don't know about the classroom. And I think it's just like so overwhelming for the entire time. It is. You're like a deer in headlights, right? Like you you get in there and the yeah. kids are looking at you and like you have this like, you're fine like the first few days, you're like kind of like, sh you're figuring things out. And then there's moments where you're just like, 
I have no idea. And you have no clue because it's like even simple things about your building that people haven't told you and you just don't understand the procedure. Totally, totally, <laughs> totally, totally. Danielle, so what's your like background? Um, tell me a little bit about like your your family life. Um, what does that look like for you um, as a young girl growing up in Georgia? Okay. Yeah. So I grew up in a single parent um, household. My dad actually passed away when I was a small girl to like five. Mm. So it's just me, my mom, and my grandma. My grandma helped out a lot because my mom, she had to work to support us. So grandma, you know, took up the slack, but my mom always like really, really worked hard to provide for me. So she wanted me to have like a normal childhood, like people who came from two parent households. So she tried her best to make sure that I experienced different cultures and that I had different experiences growing up. So. Like each summer, I would go to like summer camp, and in summer camp, I would be kayaking, shooting a uh, bow and arrow, mm -hmm. panning for gold, <laughs> all this crazy stuff, zip lining. A lot of experiences that she didn't have growing up, she tried to um, allow me to have that as a child, so it was really good. And then I got involved in sports. I was involved in all kinds of stuff, like high school, middle school, mm -hmm. like I was doing stuff. So in high school, I was a cheerleader, so I cheered for football and basketball, and that took up a lot of time. So you were busy. <laughs> yeah, at one point I ran track, you know, I guess it's like one year doing track, but busy all the time, and also in a lot of different clubs and organizations to pass the time, so, mm -hmm. um, do you think, pretty, yeah, do you think like some of those experiences or just growing up in like a home with just like um, a single parent has like kind of influenced you to do certain things as you've gotten older or like your mindset or um, your profession? Um, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I can definitely say that, especially like um, work ethic, mm -hmm. like. Um, that's something that I noticed in my mom, like she was always working so hard to get us the things that we needed and she always taught me like never give up, you know, go for, go after your dreams and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So I definitely saw that from her and that's something that I now see in myself, you know, mm -hmm. something I now see in myself. So having that work ethic from her, like really that helped me and also just like my educational decisions, my mom always, always pushed me so hard. Like, I don't think my school really pushed people to like pursue college like that, but like it was a non-negotiable. Like my mom was, she she actually dropped out of college. So I was a first generation college student. So wow. My mom really pushed me wow. to um, go to college and not only go to college, to finish college. Mm -hmm. Wow, so what would you say if you had to pick one um, schooling to go back to, whether that's like elementary, middle school, or high school, what would you say like your favorite time of schooling would be, Any, or even university? Okay, I'm gonna have to go with elementary if I were to pick one, because elementary was just, it was a blissful time for me. Mm -hmm. I remember specifically in second and third grade, I had a teacher. She told me later on, we're still friends, we're still in contact. <laughs> she um, told me later on it was her first year of teaching, which I never would have believed that. Mm -hmm. Like, I was in second grade and I always would tell people, 
Let me tell you, Miss Helen loves me. I know that. My teacher loves me. And I love going to school. So I had her for second and third grade. And I always just felt so loved by her. Like, I just, she was just so nurturing to me. And I loved being in her class. And then fourth and fifth grade, I don't know if it was a thing at my school, like teachers moved. Mm-hmm. So I had the same teacher oh, wow. in fourth and fifth grade as well. It wasn't the most pleasant, like, with Miss Helen. Because I'm almost ashamed to say, but this is small town problems. Mm-hmm. My fourth and fifth grade teacher was my older cousin. So she was like, every time I misbehaved, she'd be like, Danielle, you want me to tell your grandma? She's like, do I need to stop wearing your house this afternoon? And I would be so upset. And then I was hoping to get out of her class in fourth grade. Uh-huh. Turns out she like saved it to the end of the thing. All the other kids knew what class they were going to, getting a new teacher. And I'm like the last one. I'm like, why hasn't she called my name? I'm like, this is alphabetical order. Why am I still here? And she looks at me and she's like, Danielle, you get to be in my class again. Oh, on the inside. But she has definitely made such an impact on me now. She checks on me all the time and is one of my mentors, mm-hmm. you know, in teaching. So even though I didn't enjoy being in her class, I'm appreciative to her now. It's crazy how things work out, right? Yeah. <laughs> and you like you're in, in the moment like thinking back you were probably like so annoyed you were angry yeah. like you didn't want anything to do with her but now you like appreciate her so much more <laughs> yeah <laughs> would you say your school life well obviously it seems like i would say i don't know would you say it was more positive than negative or was there a side i think, ele- I think elementary well i say that but school was negative for me actually yeah. like um even though in second and third grade it was so pleasant, I started getting picked on in third grade, I think. Mm-hmm. And it was horrible. Like, I would go home every single day and cry because people would pick on me because I was the shortest person in the class. Of course, now it's like, there's nothing to pick on someone about. <laughs> but, um, like, that really hurt my feelings. The little kids would pick on me. I'd go home crying every day. My mom would have to console me. So now with my elementary kids, I'll, I'll tell them that story. And they're like, you for real were the shortest person in the class? <laughs> and then like the short kids, they're like, wow, Miss Thompson, we can relate to her. <laughs> so, it kind of helps them to get through those tough times. Cause I had a negative experience in school. I, in fourth grade, you know, I was like a teacher that much to my cousin. That's when I started really disliking school. Of course. I'd write on my paper, I hate you. <laughs> and my mom was like, what's going on with you? And in summer, they would say, Oh, little girl, are you ready to go back to school? I'd be like, no. no. <laughs> Did I tell you to stop saying that? <laughs> it's that's that like I think it's it's good that you had the experience at the time. Like you know, little kids like you look at them and sometimes you're thinking in your head like this shouldn't be a big deal. But of course, yeah. like during that time and for them, this yeah. is like a exactly exactly. <laughs> Yeah, so then, since I know how I started to hate school in fourth grade, now I teach fourth grade. Mm-hmm. I try to make sure that they don't start hating school. Mm-hmm. Because I know how negative that's going to be if they start disliking it. So sure. And it's straight crazy how, like, anything can make them dislike it. It can be a small moment that has happened at recess. It could be something that's happening at home. And then it can, like, you remember those moments, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's true. And yeah. it snowballs. It does. Yeah, it does. What what would you say? What was the demographic at your school? 
Um, I grew up in like my small town is like predominantly white. Mm -hmm. I might say like ninety percent white, maybe five percent black, five mm percent -hmm. other. And would you say like going all the way through elementary, middle school, high school, was that what your like schooling looked like? Yeah, for the for the entire time. So um, there were times like. I took AP classes in high school, mm -hmm. and um, I just remember being the only black girl there, or maybe the only black person. Yeah. You know? So that was kind of that was a little bit difficult in some regards. So what? what can I ask why? Why was it difficult besides the fact that you were like the only person of color there? Like, were there like what? What? What made it so I difficult? Think, I don't think people like. Never, I don't think people ever said negative things to me, mm -hmm. but it was just trying to navigate that white space and mm -hmm. trying to um, make sure that I was performing at the way that I should have been performing. Mm -hmm. and it, it just felt like I had a lot of pressure, mm -hmm. and a lot of times I couldn't necessarily relate to all of the materials, mm -hmm. but... It, it was just kind of a tough, it was a tough place to be. Yeah, and it's funny, I just had that conversation with someone. Um, just feeling like you have to be better all the time. Yeah, I think I saw that. I saw the clip. You, um, right? You, I think you did a YouTube video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting hearing, like, a few people have messaged me, and it's just like, they're like, I can, and it's not just, like, black people, it's like, just people of color in general and they're saying like I can totally relate being in that space with you and all of them are working still working on as a 30 40 year old man or woman like changing that like mindset how do you get over the fact that you know what you don't have to feel like you have to continue yeah. to be better though you're in that space right um, but I think it goes back to similar to what you talked about, because you've grown up that way, that's all you kind of know. It cons yeah. It's consistently on your mind, right? And it's it's hard to kind of shake, right? You ask kids to do this stuff in the classroom and then you you can't do it yourself, right? Like Absolutely. I agree. <laughs> I agree. And I, and I, think, I, I think that we have to think about that as well in the, the spaces that our students, mm -hmm. use, you know, and think about how they might be feeling mm -hmm. when they're at school mm -hmm. and how, um, as educators, we're addressing our own biases mm -hmm. and making sure that we are staying educated on teaching materials that are culturally relevant. Mm -hmm. I'm big on that. Mm -hmm. And I think the Instagram community has helped me with that. Same. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, like, I, I finished my master's a little while ago. And like my first three years of teaching, thank you, thank you. <laughs> the first three years of my teaching, I was trying to just like survive. Like I was kind of underwater, just like yeah. drowning a little bit, just making sure I was above. And then yeah. as you get more comfortable and you start doing a little bit more research and then you start reflecting, which also I think is a very powerful tool. Like you start, hmm, what am I actually really giving these students besides what's given to me? Right. Yeah, um, that's good. Right. That's good. And I can't remember someone else posted something recently just about like, why are we um, allowing ourselves, like, why are we just like allowing ourselves to stay stagnant on the content that we're teaching just because the content is kind of given to us? Um, yeah. And I think part of, I, I don't know, maybe it's extra work. Maybe it's, um, it, it, and it is easier as a new teacher. Someone comes in and they give you a textbook or they say, here's the lesson plans. Like, it's very easy for you to just do whatever they give to you. 
Yeah, it right. is. And like, and like you were saying, those first three years, you felt like you were just kind of swimming, trying to get through. Mm-hmm. I definitely felt like that as well. And those first years are, they're tough. I think they're making or breaking. You know, statistically, you have so many people leaving within those first three years. Mm-hmm. But the more you do it, I think the more comfortable you become and you're able to research and you're able to learn what works best, mm-hmm. what doesn't work at all. Exactly. Yeah. And then, like you said, there's people out there willing to help. Like, I don't, I can't get over this, like, internet world and how people are so willingly to tell, like, tell you their experiences, tell you how to find resources, find examples. Like, it's just, it's mind-boggling. Absolutely. I completely agree. I just recently discovered um, teaching Instagram probably, like, a year ago, like, a year and a half ago. Yeah. And my, my mind was blown, like... There are so many different resources and so many people, like you said, just willing to lend a hand. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I've learned so much. You know, it's like PL outside of my school. Mm-hmm. People who have gathered here to talk about what's working in education and how we can. It's crazy. Continue in excellence. Uh-huh. It's good. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, same. I think I may be two maybe three years in i mean maybe three years a little bit maybe a little bit less and the same thing like my instagram just started turning into like a place to share what i'm doing in the classroom and just started to evolve over time and i'm making all these connections and it's it's bizarre to have like internet friends i guess i don't know It, I think at one point it would be bizarre, but I think just like how the how the world is changing in so many different ways. Yeah, yeah. It just shows like the beauty of technology and the advances in technology. Like we're literally in two different countries communicating right now. That's crazy. Amazing. It's crazy. Uh, so I just have a few more questions for you. Okay. Um, what would you say? What's exciting for you right now about in education? What do you say would be the most exciting thing for you? The most exciting thing for me right now in education, I think that I've just seen so many educators online, especially just like challenging themselves in new ways, you know, challenging themselves in areas that they hadn't previously before. So I know I talked a little bit earlier about the cultural relevancy piece, like that, that is something that makes me extremely excited. Mm-hmm. Um, recently, I've made a post on my Instagram stories about the books that my students were choosing, and they were choosing all sorts of different books that reflected all of these different cultures, like they're picking books about China, India, all these different countries, and they're learning all of these new things. And I was just like so blown away that these are the books that they're actually choosing on their own. And someone on Instagram actually shared a PD session with me that they had just conducted about mirrors and windows. And I was not familiar with this concept at all. Mm -hmm. They were saying students need books that they can see themselves in. And this will be like a mirror. They can see themselves in the text. They can feel what it's like and Mm -hmm. this will help them this will help them to be inspired and for the students who don't see themselves in the text they can look like a a window text and they can look out and see what it's like Mm -hmm. in other parts of the world wow wow i'm still excited about it and i maybe didn't explain it in the way i needed to Uh i'm excited about it so is this a book that you've already like you've seen 
No, it wasn't like a book. It was someone shared with me a PD session. A PD session. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, and it was it was over these um, concepts of mirrors and windows. Mm -hmm. See if I can pull it up a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, to maybe explain it a little bit better. And if I can't find it quickly, I'll, I'll tell you about it. Maybe we'll send it. Yeah, no, that I think that idea is it goes back to what you're talking about, like trying to be culturally relevant, right? Like that's exactly what kids need. They need to see themselves in the books, in the content, in the activities, in the lessons. Yeah, and just another thing that I'm excited about, just to change the subject just quickly. Yeah. I realized today, like, I was um, on Twitter earlier today talking about how if teachers are not excited about reading, you cannot encourage kids to get excited about totally. reading. Totally. Like, I was thinking about my own goals that I set for reading this year and I barely even met and I was like, I gotta do better. Mm -hmm. I, I'm gonna get my kids pumped up and excited about reading. Like, I gotta be pumped up and excited about reading. Exactly. Yeah. What about, um, what do you feel like there, what do you feel needs to be changed or we need to be talking more about, um, what, what do you think teachers need to be a little bit more aware about in education right now? Well, there's, there's so many, you know, there's one thing about issues in education is so broad because we have so many. Yeah. So I don't know if you want to pinpoint it. It's a loaded question. Yeah, it's so loaded. <laughs> you don't know if you want to go with it. Personal, 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 personal. Administration level. Sure. More time to plan. We need more of this. Uh -huh. More resources. We need more yeah. money. Or do you go just at the, um, at the teacher level, the, the teacher level, mm -hmm. thinking about it in the teacher level, I would say something, I think, regarding how we relate to our students as far as building strong, consistent relationships with them. Mm -hmm. Because I feel that behavior problems are minimized. I'm not going to act like I have no behavior problems in my class because that is not true. Mm -hmm. But I feel like by having a positive relationship with your student, you can talk to them they're able to like tell you things about their home situation they're able to open up to you you're able to reach them in ways that are not possible if you don't build strong relationships with them if you're not concerned about the things that they're concerned about mm -hmm. you don't know anything about them it's going to be very difficult to reach them and mm -hmm. teach them no i agree i agree i agree i agree um Thank you. You are awesome. I'm hoping that again, this is not the last time that we connect together. Yeah, yeah. Same here. Same here. I really enjoyed chatting with you. So I definitely hope that um, we can come back together at a later time for the podcast. I hope so. I hope so. Can you? Maybe we can collab on a YouTube I would love to. I would love to. I'm trying. Like, I'm trying. Awesome. So just before you go, can you tell the people like where can we find you what's your handle um what are you what social media platform are you using the most um and if there's anything next for you okay so on social media i am on facebook instagram and twitter um i use instagram the most and it's the same on all of those platforms at hot mess teaching okay it's at hot mess teaching I use Instagram the most. I started using Facebook and Twitter. Twitter, I don't use as much, but I have heard some amazing things about the conversations we've had on Twitter. So mm -hmm. I'm trying to tweet a little bit more. <laughs> bit. 
I feel like too much social media for me is bad, so I have to keep it in balance. I have to I agree. I agree. On uh, social media, what's next for me? Um, I don't have it pinpointed. I'm not sure, but um, you guys will find out on social media. So I'll definitely keep you updated about what's next. That's awesome. Um, thank you. All right. You're awesome. I, you gotta, um, I hope you have a good day. <laughs> so I'm just getting home. About I'm about to go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, all right. All right, see ya. <laughs>